Hey, food eaters, what's going on? This is Mel Weinstein, host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast and the self-professed prophet of processed foods. Welcome to my monthly podcast. This is episode number 49. This program is being recorded at the end of March 2020, and the country is in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. As of this recording, there are over 122,000 confirmed cases with about 2,100 deaths attributed to the virus. For those people listening to the episode, I hope that either you are currently surviving or have survived the pandemic already. I am hunkering down in my home. Fortunately, I live in a small city with only a single case so far. In this show, I don't intend to say anything else about the virus because just about every talking head on TV is filling our ears with reports, stories, and opinions, as well as innumerable comments showing up in social media. So, I'll just do what I do. The last few episodes have focused on alternative foods associated with specific diets. In episode number 47, I addressed processed foods found in the gluten-free world. And in episode number 48, I examined commercial foods available to people on a keto diet. In this episode, which will probably be the last of the diet programs, I describe processed foods found in the plant-based diet, a food regimen which is paralleling the other diets in terms of popularity and food choices. Topics will include a little history of the diet, what it includes and excludes, and a short exploration of manufactured foods tailored to plant-based eaters. If you're new to the podcast, here's some information about me. I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food testing, and food chemical research. I've developed a zealous interest, some may call it a morbid obsession, with processed foods, what's in those foods, and how they may affect our health. Also, I look behind the commercial food curtain at all of those strange, hard-to-pronounce, and sometimes dangerous ingredients that invade many of the commercial foods stocked on grocery store shelves. This is a 100% free, on-demand streaming program. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine, and to keep it that way, I don't work with any business or sponsoring organization. All I ask of you is to listen, and if you feel informed, educated, or entertained by the content, please let others know through social media or the old-fashioned way, word of mouth. Website and contact information will be provided at the end of the show. Okay, food eaters, let's find out what plant-based diets are all about. First off, there are a whole bunch of terms and definitions associated with diets based on the consumption of primarily plant foods. I'm not going to get into all of these variations because I find them, frankly, confusing. It's like discussing all the different sects of a particular religion. For example, there are fruitarians, pesco-vegetarians, lacto-vegetarians, ovo-vegetarians, lacto-ovo-vegetarians, raw foodists, vegans, and plant-based eaters, just to name a few. I will just narrow the topic down to vegans and plant-based eaters. Here's what they have in common. Both types of eaters eschew the consumption of animal products. That includes any meat, fish, or seafood product and any animal byproducts such as eggs and dairy. Many vegans would also exclude honey 
since it's derived from the enzymatic conversion of plant sugars in the digestive tracts of bees. Honey is simply the recurgitated product of that process. Now here's how they differ. The vegan diet is based on a philosophy of life and encompasses a lifestyle. Many vegans not only avoid eating animals and their associated products, but they also refuse to use animal-based materials like leather, wool, or fur. Many vegans object to the exploitation of farmed animals, so they often embrace an animal rights perspective. Think PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. And finally, many vegans believe that there is an environmental link between animal consumption and many environmental problems like climate change and the loss of rainforests, which are related to the intensive raising of livestock in a heavily populated world where meat consumption is on the rise. On the other hand, a person can be a plant-based eater without the socio-political concerns. The only issue for a plant-based eater is what they put into their mouth. So, the two labels are not synonymous. All vegans are plant-based eaters, but not all plant-based eaters are vegans. Let's take a look at vegan history. The rejection of eating animal flesh goes back thousands of years in both the East and the West. In the East, many Hindus adopted a vegetarian diet for religious and spiritual reasons. Today, roughly 31% of India's people are vegetarian. That's a lot of folks. In the West, the roots of vegetarianism stretch back to Pythagoras in the 6th century BC. However, the major start of veganism occurred in the mid-19th century in England. In 1944, a member of the British Vegetarian Society, Donald Watson, created a publication called The Vegan News. He coined the word from the first few and last few letters of vegetarian. In that same year, the Vegan Society was formed. From Wikipedia comes the following, quote, The Vegan Society soon made clear that it rejected the use of animals for any purpose, not only in diet. In 1947, Watson wrote, quote, The vegan renounces it as superstitious that human life depends upon the exploitation of these creatures whose feelings are much the same as our own. End quote. Now, towards the end of the 20th century, people got interested in the health benefits of a vegan diet. Numerous scientific and medical studies were conducted and are still being conducted to explore such benefits as better heart health, reduced stroke and cancer risks, improved conditions for diabetics, and so on. This emphasis on diet and health in the last few decades led to the creation of the label plant-based to distinguish it from the vegan lifestyle, which may or may not be healthy. There are plenty of vegan foods that are just plain bad for you from a health perspective. For example, Oreos. Die-hard plant-based eaters focus on eating healthy foods that are derived from plants and are minimally processed. Their focus is on maintaining healthy gut bacteria, a strong immune system, healthy organs, and living a long, vigorous life. So, what does a die-hard plant-based eater consume? Simply put, they eat foods that, one, Mother Nature provides from seeds and spores, two, are grown in soil, and three, that are fertilized with natural nutrients. Simply put, they eat fruits, vegetables, grains, 
legumes, etc. That's a pure plant-based diet. Very few people in this society can adhere to such a strict whole foods approach. That means that there are other plant foods eaten which are manufactured but hopefully minimally processed. Such foods would include soy products like tofu, tempeh, which is fermented soy, seitan, which is wheat gluten, non-dairy milks, juices, cereal products, breads, etc. Now, as with any diet, a person can follow it religiously or sloppily and anything in between. Supermarkets carry a variety of conventional plant-based foods that are at the low end of healthy, loaded with artificial ingredients, and are far from natural. Some of these include Fritos, Duncan Hyde's Classic Yellow Cake, Jell-O Instant Pudding Mix, Hershey's Chocolate Syrup, Betty Crocker's Bacos, which are bacon-flavored bits, Pillsbury Crescent Rolls, Ritz Crackers, Famous Amos Peanut Butter Sandwich Cookies, and Sara Lee Cherry Pie. Some of you out there are probably drooling right now. Many people who adopt a plant-based diet or just want to give it a try are overwhelmed by what they have to give up. For the most part, American diets are chock-full of meat, eggs, and dairy products, so people are befuddled when those foods are eliminated from their daily eating. Consuming only whole foods provided by Mother Nature is an alien idea. American industry to the rescue. With many decades of food science, food processing, additive inventions, flavor creations, and technical know-how, the food industry has cleverly taken advantage of the plant-based trend and filled a niche demand for foods that are similar to ones found in the traditional American diet but conform to the label of plant-based. I'm talking substitutes here. These are called transition foods. So are you missing meat or dairy or eggs? There are replacements for all of those products. So in the remaining part of this episode, I'll take a look at some of those products by choosing examples across the board. I'll be looking at both the bad and the ugly, but only at the ingredients, not the nutrition facts. Let's get started. First up are meat substitutes. There are dozens of examples. Back in episode number 38, entitled Battle of the Fake Burgers, I compared the Impossible Burger versus the Beyond Burger, two products that have greatly grown in popularity and have made inroads in the fast food industry. Check that episode out to see what the ingredients are in those products. But there are plenty of other companies in this competition to replace animal protein with vegetable protein. Let's look at two that are competing for those meat lookalike dollars. Kellogg's versus Sweet Earth Foods. The Kellogg's company has a subsidiary called Morningstar Farms. It was originally called Worthington Foods, a subdivision of Miles Laboratories. As far back as 1975, they introduced a line of soy-based frozen meat substitutes. Kellogg's obtained the company in 1999 and associated their products with the Morningstar Farms brand. The mother company sold off Worthington in 2014, but continued manufacturing Morningstar products. One of Morningstar's oldest products is the original Chick Patties. Chick here is spelled C-H-I-K. It's a frozen breaded soy-based product. 
A 10 ounce package contains four patties and sells for around $3.89. Although this particular product is totally plant-based, most of the company's line targets vegetarians. Other plant-based products include Griller's Vegan Veggie Burgers, Hickory Barbecue Riblets, Veggie Chicken Strips, and Sweet and Sour Chicken. Note that the word chicken is spelled C-H-I-K apostrophe N. Here's how Morningstar describes the chick patties. Quote, Our original meatless chick patties make mealtime easy. Bake or grill for a tender sandwich that's sure to delight. With 53% less fat than regular chicken patties and with 160 calories per serving, they make for a yummy chicken sandwich, end quote. Here are the 30 ingredients in the patties. Water, wheat flour, vegetable oil, either corn or canola or sunflower, and it may be a combination of those, soy flour, soy protein isolate, and then 2% or less of the following, wheat starch, yellow corn flour, wheat gluten, methyl cellulose, yeast extract, sugar, potato starch, corn starch, dextrose, salt, spices, natural flavors, onion powder, yeast, paprika for color, leavening, uh, which includes uh, the following sodium acid pyrophosphate and sodium bicarbonate. Then there's potassium chloride, glutamic acid, garlic powder, citric acid, xanthan gum, and finally, barley malt extract. Note that the first ingredient is water, and by weight, that means it's present in the largest amount. So, you pay for a bunch of water in this product. The wheat flour is used for the breading on the patties. The soy flour and protein isolate constitute the meat part of the patties. The 11th ingredient in the list is methyl cellulose. That sound indicates a brand new ingredient never discussed before in this podcast. According to the handy A Consumer's Dictionary of Food Additives book, methyl cellulose is a binder, thickener, and emulsifying additive that's prepared from wood pulp or cotton by treatment with methanol. Sound appetizing? Whenever you see the word cellulose in an ingredient list, remember that that ingredient most likely is sourced from wood. That's certainly one way to get your fiber needs met. Methyl cellulose is generally fine unless you consume large amounts of it, in which case you might experience gas or intestinal obstruction. However, it has been shown to cause cancer in rats. As I go down the list of ingredients, I've talked about most of them in past episodes. However, the 26th ingredient, glutamic acid, is a newbie. Again, from the Food Additive Dictionary, glutamic acid is a white powder manufactured from vegetable protein. In this product, the patties, it's used to add meat flavor. At the level it's used in foods, glutamic acid is considered safe. Let's take a look at the 11 highly processed ingredients in this product. They include corn oil, canola oil, sunflower oil, soy protein isolate, wheat starch, wheat gluten, yeast extract, potato starch, corn starch, onion powder, and barley malt extract. Here are the eight synthetic 
ingredients that is artificially made. Methyl cellulose, dextrose, sodium acid pyrophosphate, sodium bicarbonate, potassium chloride, glutamic acid, citric acid, and xanthan gum. Adding the highly processed ingredients and the synthetic ones together gives 19 ingredients. So, of the 30 total ingredients, 63% of them are industrialized. As good as this product may taste, it's very far from natural. Here is the second entry for a meat substitute. Sweet Earth Foods is a private company located in California. The founders are Kelly and Brian Sweat, who previously worked in several large commercial food companies like PepsiCo, Lipton, and Procter & Gamble. Let's take a look at their Mediterranean Veggie Flame Broiled Burger. Two burgers are in the package, which weighs 8 ounces, so there are two quarter pounders inside of it. The rough cost is $4.37. Here is how Sweet Earth describes their product. Quote, We are food explorers. The Sweet Earth Kitchen is a magic temple where passionate chefs bring together ancient recipes and today's harvest. The result, food that you'll love, that'll surprise you, that'll satisfy what we all believe. Food should be delicious. It should add zest to your day and spice to your mind. We put in your hands an incredible diversity of plant foods and cooking traditions. End quote. Man, that sure sounds upbeat. Now, other Sweet Earth food products include bowls like General So's Tofu, and chana masala, pizzas like protein lovers and herb lovers, burritos like Baja breakfast and Big Sur breakfast, other meat substitutes like bacon, ham, and ground beef, quesadillas like Cubano empanada and Moroccan empanada. Here are the 26 ingredients in the burger. Here are the 26 ingredients in the burger. Garbanzo beans, mushrooms, vital wheat gluten, green peas, kale, water, bulgur wheat, barley, bell peppers, carrot, quinoa, extra virgin olive oil, red onion, celery, flaxseed, cilantro, garlic, nutritional yeast, granulated garlic, sea salt, ginger, granulated onion, lime juice concentrate, cumin, canola oil, and oregano. Notice the number of real ingredients in this product. I count 16 of them. Then there are seven minimally processed ingredients. The three highly processed ingredients include vital wheat gluten, extra virgin olive oil, and canola. The percent of highly processed ingredients is 12%. There are no synthetic ingredients. Contrast the Sweet Earth Burger to the Morning Star Chick Patty. So we have 63% versus 12% industrial ingredients. Which would you want to eat for good health? I've tried the Sweet Earth Burgers. I like them a lot. They rank high on my list of look-alike foods. If cooked properly, they are delicious. The next category of transition foods are dairy substitutes. The American food system relies heavily on dairy products from milk to myriad examples of cheese products. Plus, dairy is a common ingredient in many commercial foods. Today, someone moving to a plant-based diet has a broad range of products to choose from that mimic dairy foods. There are dozens of plant-based milks and non-dairy cheeses. Regarding cheese, 
I'll compare Daya cheese versus Miyoko cheese. The Canadian company Daya Foods makes mozzarella-style shreds. The company's name is spelled D-A-I-Y-A. I never know whether it's supposed to be pronounced Daya or Daya. I've heard it both ways. The company is located in Vancouver, British Columbia. In 2017, it was taken over by Atsuka Pharmaceutical, the second largest drug manufacturer in Japan. I always find it odd when a drug company gets into food production. Does that mean there is a link between drugs and food? This cheese comes in 7.1 ounce packs, that's about two cups, and costs around $4.39. The company describes its products as follows, quote, artisan excellence. That's the driving force behind our cutting board collection. Deliciously dairy-free and plant-based. Cutting board mozzarella-style shreds gives cheese lovers the very finest in taste and texture. Better pizzas, better pastas, better I'll have seconds, please. A classic melt every time, end quote. This product is uh, free of the following allergens, dairy, gluten, soy, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, fish, and shellfish. Some other products they produce include cheddar, pepper jack, cream cheese, and the cheese is spelled with a Z in it instead of an S, and then there's cheesecake, likewise cheesy mac, coconut yogurt, dressings, and burritos. Here are the 12 ingredients in this uh, day of cheese product. Filtered water, tapioca flour, expeller pressed non-GMO canola and or safflower oil, coconut oil, pea protein, salt, vegan natural flavors, and active yeast, vegetable glycerin, xanthan gum, citric acid, titanium dioxide. Note that the first ingredient is water and by weight is present in the largest amount. So, you pay for a bunch of water in this product. There are seven moderately processed ingredients, namely tapioca flour, canola oil, safflower oil, coconut oil, pea protein, natural flavors, and glycerin. Then there are three very processed or synthetic ingredients, xanthan gum, citric acid, and titanium dioxide. The mineral titanium dioxide is a rather unusual ingredient, but it serves as a coloring agent. As an additive, it makes things white, which should be the color of mozzarella cheese. Overall, 10 of the 12 ingredients are either moderately or highly processed, making this cheese rather industrialized. Next, let's explore the other cheese alternative, Miyoko's Creamery Fresh Vegan Mozz, and that stands for mozzarella. Miyoko's Creamery is a fairly new business located in Sonoma, California, and specializes in non-dairy vegan foods with mainly organic ingredients. This cheese comes in 8-ounce packs and costs roughly $8.99, which is pretty pricey uh, relative to other plant-based cheeses. The company says the following about their product, quote, just like traditional mozzarella di buffalo, our cashew-based vegan version is the perfect answer for everything from pizzas to cabrisi salad to paninis. Creamy, smooth, and with just the perfect amount of springiness. Melts and browns, delicious, hot or cold, free of cholesterol, lactose, gluten, and soy. End quote. Did you notice that the statement says, 
mozzarella, the buffalo. Where did that come from? It actually refers to the milk of Italy's Mediterranean buffalo. So I guess uh, what they're trying to say is that their product is just like classical Italian uh, Mediterranean cheese. Other Miyoko products include cheese wheels, butter, cream cheese, and cheese spreads. Here are the nine ingredients. Filtered water, organic cashews, organic coconut oil, organic tapioca, agar, organic cultured sugar, sea salt, organic sunflower lecithin, and cultures. Again, water is the first ingredient by weight and a cheap ingredient at that. However, the second ingredient is cashews, which is an expensive ingredient. The fifth ingredient is agar. So I add another new ingredient to the archives. Also known as agar agar, it's a substance obtained from seaweed and is used as a stabilizer or thickener. It's sometimes used as a substitute for animal-based gelatin. It is considered non-toxic. The reason it has not come up in food reviews until now is because other thickeners like xanthan gum, carrageenan, and locust bean gum are more prevalent in the food industry. Maybe they're cheaper. The sixth ingredient is cultured sugar. That's a new one to me. The label says that it serves as a preservative. So what is cultured sugar? Here's what I found out. It's sugar cane that's been fermented or cultured with a specific bacterium. The fermented product is dried and sold as cultured sugar, which is considered a more natural preservative for maintaining freshness and flavor. This additive has not been around very long, so there's not a bunch of information about it. Of the nine ingredients in the Miyoka mozzarella, four of them can be classified as moderately processed. There are no highly processed or synthetic ingredients in this cheese. So four of the nine ingredients are moderately processed, or 44%, which is high, but they're all derived from natural products. Overall, this non-dairy cheese is healthier than most. Also, just like conventional dairy cheeses, this one is cultured making it more expensive than other non-cultured, non-dairy cheeses. Next up, plant-based eggs. Like dairy products, people switching to a plant-based diet might miss their eggs, either prepared directly from eggs themselves or as ingredients in many baked goods. Over the last few decades, there have been a handful of non-egg products developed as egg substitutes. I'll be examining two of them. Veg versus just egg. First up is Veg Power Scramble manufactured in Carl Place, New York. The name Veg is a combination of vegan and egg. It's a powdered product that comes in a six ounce pouch and sells for around $9.99. One teaspoon is combined with a fourth cup of water per egg which means then there is about 36 egg equivalents in each package. They describe the product in this way, quote, The VEG is the original product that replaces the taste and texture of eggs without using any eggs. The VEG produces and distributes the world's healthiest 100% plant-based egg substitutes. 
Our products are all 100% vegan, plant-based, cholesterol-free, gluten-free, and kosher. Other products that are made by the Veg Company are vegan egg yolk, uncaged baking mix, and French toast mix. Here are the 12 ingredients in this product. Soy protein isolate, fortified yeast flakes, which are composed of dried yeast, niacin, pyridoxin hydrochloride, riboflavin, thiamine hydrochloride, folic acid, B12, magnesium chloride, sodium alginate, black sea salt, and beta carotene. This stuff is primarily a mixture of soy protein isolate and yeast flakes. If you don't count the vitamins and minerals added to the yeast flakes, then there are really just five ingredients. The tenth ingredient in the list is sodium alginate, and it's just another thickener derived from seaweed. The eleventh ingredient, black sea salt, also known as Himalayan black salt, or kalanamic, is important as a flavoring agent. This is probably new to most Americans, but it's popular in India. This kind of salt provides the sulfur-like taste of real eggs. This simple product is 50% ultra-processed due to the soy protein isolate and 50% moderately processed due to the fortified yeast flakes. Overall, it's a 100% industrialized food and would certainly not fall in the health food category. It's really made to provide plant-based eaters with an egg-like experience that they may be craving or missing. Next up in the egg department is Just Egg. This company uh, is called Eat Just Incorporated and is headquartered in San Francisco. Their original name was Hampton Creek Foods. The product is sold as a liquid. It comes in a 12-ounce container and retails for about $9. Three tablespoons are used to prepare an egg substitute, and there are about eight servings then per container. Just also provides a mayonnaise alternative, dressings, cookies, cookie dough, breakfast proteins, and cultured meat. Here are the 15 ingredients uh, in the Just Egg product. Water mug bean protein isolate, expeller-pressed canola oil, and contains less than 2% of the following dehydrated onion, gel and gum, natural carrot extractives, natural flavors, natural turmeric extractives for color, potassium citrate, salt, soy lecithin, sugar, tapioca syrup, tetrasodium pyrophosphate, transglutaminase, and lastly, Neeson, which is a preservative. It's no surprise that this liquid concoction has water as the first ingredient. A new protein source shows up as ingredient number two, mug bean protein isolate. In the old days, soy protein isolate used to be the protein king, but it has gotten challenged by other plant foods like peas and beans. The mug bean ingredient was pioneered by the Hampton Creek Company in the United States, and it got FDA approval in 2016. The fifth ingredient is gelin gum.
And the new ones keep coming. Gelling gum is another stabilizer and thickener used in various foods. It's produced by a bacterium. It was discovered in 1978 in the tissue of a lily plant found in Pennsylvania and later isolated by the Kelco Division of Merck and Company. The 13th ingredient, tetrasodium pyrophosphate, has appeared before, but it has been a while. This very chemical additive is used in cheese emulsification and as a sequestering agent. A sequestering additive prevents physical or chemical changes affecting color, flavor, texture, or appearance. In other words, it keeps all the ingredients together and stable. The 14th ingredient is transglutaminase. This could be the strangest ingredient ever used in a plant-based product. In the food industry, it's known as meat glue. Yes, I said meat. That's why it's so strange. Transglutaminase is a natural enzyme approved as a binder to glue proteins together. It is produced from a specific strain of soil bacteria. It was approved by the FDA in 1998. I'm not sure why this ingredient is present in the Just Egg, but my guess is that it helps to coagulate the mung bean protein isolate just like the protein in a chicken's egg when it is scrambled. The 15th ingredient, Neeson, is listed on the label as a preservative. Neeson is a Streptococcus lactis bacterium that acts as an antimicrobial agent in dairy products. We are living in a very strange world when bacteria become food ingredients. In looking at the ingredient list for the Just Egg, five ingredients are highly processed. Mung bean protein isolate, gel and gum, natural carrot extractives, soy lecithin, and tapioca syrup. There are four ingredients that are synthetic or ultra-processed. Potassium citrate, tetrasodium pyrophosphate, transglutaminase, and nisin. Therefore, nine out of the 15 ingredients, or 60%, are industrialized. This egg replacement is definitely man-made. The last category of plant-based transition foods is dessert. No matter what diet we may be on, People crave a sweet and satisfying dessert. Most people will accept that desserts are not intended to be healthy foods, so here are two plant-based desserts that don't even pretend to be good for you. First up is Ben & Jerry's Coconut 7-Layer Bar Ice Cream. It comes in a pint container and sells for around $4.89. Ben & Jerry's jumped into the non-dairy ice cream business just a few years ago, probably after watching a steady growth of competitors for that frozen dessert dollar. I remember in the old days when the real Ben & Jerry owned the company, and they prided themselves in producing cleverly named, high-quality ice creams with simple ingredients. Back in the year 2000, the company was sold to Unilever, an Anglo-Dutch multinational food company, and the ice creams have never been the same since. The company describes their product like this, quote, 
If you're looking for the seventh level of non-dairy heaven, you'll find a coconutty trove of luscious stuff from your favorite layered concoction right here in this very Ben & Jerry's non-dairy flavor, end quote. Other non-dairy ice creams that the company sells include milk and cookies, milks in quotes, creme brulee cookie, milk chocolate cookie, caramel almond brittle, chocolate caramel cluster, chocolate chip cookie dough, chocolate fudge brownie, chocolate salted and swirled, cinnamon buns, coffee caramel fudge, PB and cookies, and peanut butter half-baked. Here are the 32 ingredients in this coconut ice cream. Almond milk, which consists of water and almonds, liquid sugar, which is just sugar and water, coconut oil, sugar, corn syrup, walnuts, corn syrup solids, dried cane syrup, coconut, soybean oil, cornstarch, cocoa, wheat flour, graham flour, pea protein, sunflower lecithin, natural flavor, uh, which includes sesame and coconut, then there's canola oil, salt, soy lecithin, molasses, malt extract, vanilla extract, guar gum, locust bean gum, tapioca starch, caramel color, baking soda, and finally, carrageenan. Notice the use of almond milk in this product as the dairy replacement. Other common milks and non-dairy ice creams include soy, coconut milk, and cashew milk. There's nothing particularly odd in this list of ingredients other than how many there are. That's a common feature of non-dairy ice creams. The list basically distills down to the following. Plant milk, oil, sweeteners, flavorings, emulsifiers, stabilizers, and coloring agents. If you put those ingredients together in the proper amounts, you can make your own non-dairy ice cream. Do you actually need 32 ingredients? I don't think so. I make a pretty mean chocolate cashew-based ice cream that has only eight ingredients. The next dessert and last item to talk about is the Daya or Daya New York Cheesecake. And again, there's Z used in the word cheese. It retails at about $6.49 for a 14.1 ounce pie. I've had this product a few times. When I first tried it a few years ago, I was knocked off my feet. Having lived in the New York City area as a kid, I'd fall in love with the New York style cheesecake. It was my favorite dessert. Years later, when I found out that I was lactose intolerant, I sadly had to give it up. Surprisingly, the Daya product was the spitten image of that delicious, creamy pie of my youth. But it's not a stock item in my house, as you'll see in a minute. The Daya company describes it like this, quote, Rich, velvety, and deeply satisfying, our New York cheesecake is a classic favorite. A delicious, guilt-free indulgence infused with real vanilla and lots of dairy-free love. End quote. Ah, gotta like that dairy-free love. Here are the 38 ingredients in the Daya cheesecake. Okay, first we have the filling composed of filtered water, creamed coconut, cane sugar, coconut oil, tapioca starch, non-GMO expeller pressed, canola and or safflower oil. Then there's potato starch, pea protein isolate, 
vanilla extract, sea salt, xanthan gum, sodium alginate, lactic acid, tricalcium phosphate, natural flavors, cultured sugar, enzyme, and then there's the gluten-free crust, which has tapioca starch, cane sugar, coconut oil, brown rice flour, filtered water, white whole grain sorghum flour, potato starch, cocoa powder, non-GMO expeller, pressed canola and or safflower oils. Then there is milled flaxseed, vanilla extract, psyllium, xanthan gum, sea salt, sunflower lecithin, caramel color, leavening, which includes sodium acid pyrophosphate, sodium bicarbonate, and monocalcium phosphate. Yes, it's delicious, but there are a horrendous 38 ingredients in this pie. Most of them are frequent flyers in the processed food industry, so I won't dwell on them. However, four of them have never appeared in this podcast. Well, still more new ingredients. Uh, I'm just going to lump three of them together. They're all decent food ingredients. There is brown rice flour, white whole grain sorghum flour, and milled flaxseed. The last one, pea protein isolate, is an analog of soy protein isolate and is an industrial ingredient. How processed is the day of cheesecake? There are 23 moderately processed ingredients, plus there are four synthetic ingredients, adding up to 27 industrial ingredients and a 38 total ingredients, or 71%. So, this wonderful, sweet, delicious dessert is a factory product. You would not be able to make this stuff at home. Let's summarize what's been covered in this episode. As with other specialty diets like keto and gluten-free, The food industry responds to trends by creating new products to satisfy the tastes, preferences, and cravings of the dieters. As with the standard American diet, these foods are often rife with highly processed ingredients, often called ultra-processed ingredients, that satisfy basic requirements of the diet but are not healthy for individuals that follow the special diet. In the plant-based world of foods, this is also true, particularly when dieters seek out their favorite foods from the past. There are literally thousands of plant-based food products. The best commercial foods have a small number of ingredients which are primarily derived from whole foods, not food science research. The presence of animal products such as meat, fish, seafood, dairy, and eggs is not required to maintain excellent human health, as many medical and scientific studies have shown in the last 60 years. There is nothing special about protein from those food sources. However, plant-based diets can be very unhealthy if relying on substitutes for the mainstays of the standard American diet or consuming industrial foods such as fast foods and many supermarket packaged foods. There is a difference between a vegan diet and a plant-based one. A vegan diet is a plant-based diet, but not vice versa, since a vegan diet is just one part of a vegan lifestyle. Plant-based dieters may simply be interested in improving their individual health and not be concerned necessarily about ethical or environmental issues. As usual, if you're on any diet, please read commercial food labels carefully to limit exposure to hazardous ingredients or to foods 
with low nutritional values. If you want to adopt a plant-based diet, limit your use of transition foods such as meat and dairy substitutes as you move towards an unprocessed whole foods diet. Well, that's it, food eaters. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in. If you haven't already, I'd greatly appreciate a review, good, bad, or indifferent, in the iTunes store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean. That's at www.podbean.com. Or just by Googling the phrase Food Labels Revealed. If you have a question or comment on anything about food ingredients or this podcast, or simply want to say hello, just drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. Again, the address is foodlabelsrevealed, all one string, at gmail.com. If you think your family, friends, coworkers, or acquaintances might be interested in this podcast, tweet or post a link through your social media outlets to get the word out. Don't forget that the references provided in this podcast are available in the show notes located at the Podbean hosting website, or they may appear in your podcast app. Lastly, I have a Facebook page that is an adjunct to the podcast. Just search in Facebook under Food Labels Revealed Podcast, and feel free to share the posts. I haven't decided on a topic for the next month, so I'll just surprise you later. Remember, in these times of infectious disease and compromised immune systems, if you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is a clip from Derp Nugget, composed by Kevin McLeod.